You're listening to Radically Pragmatic, a podcast from the Progressive Policy Institute. We talk with lawmakers, policy experts, and thought leaders about the issues driving the news nationally and internationally. The Progressive Policy Institute is a catalyst for policy innovation and political reform with offices in Washington, D.C. and Brussels. Its mission is to create radically pragmatic ideas for moving America beyond ideological and partisan deadlock. We encourage analytical conversations, not your typical partisan talking points. Welcome to Radically Pragmatic, the podcast from PPI. I'm Ariel Kane, the Director of Healthcare Policy, and today we are excited to have on Congressman Dan Kildee representing Michigan's 5th District. Thank you for being here, Congressman. We are excited to have you on our podcast today to discuss insulin prices and your bill to make them more affordable. Hey, thanks for having me on. I do appreciate it very much. So the reason why insulin is often pointed to as the poster child for the warped incentives of our drug pricing system is because one, it's a critical drug for around 8 million Americans and roughly one third of Medicare beneficiaries. And we know uh, type two diabetes is on the rise from COVID, um, but also because insulin is cheap to make, but often expensive to buy. Data from the Healthcare Cost Institute shows that prices for insulin have doubled uh, between 2012 and 2016. And I know that you have a personal tie to high insulin costs. Can you tell us about that? Well, for sure. Thank you. I mean, this really is an issue that affects millions of Americans, but for every family affected, it's really personal. And that's how I come to this. You know, my daughter is 29, almost 30. She'll be 30 in June. Um, But when she was eight years old, she was diagnosed uh, as a type one diabetic. And so I have seen, you know, her go from as a child with all the anxiety that it comes with uh, as being the parent of a type one diabetic to into adulthood. And our biggest fear, speaking for my wife and I, our biggest fear for our daughter is that she wouldn't, as she got older, be able to get, first of all, affordable insurance. And secondly, actually to be able to afford to get her insulin. And there have been months uh, since she's a full-time professional uh, journalist, there have been months where a third of her income goes just for the price of being a diabetic. Now, of course, she's got her mom and I to stand behind her, but not every kid, not every young type one diabetic has that. Her experience isn't unique either. Uh, You know, in Michigan, one in 10 people have some form of diabetes. It can be thousand dollars a month for somebody to have you know life-saving insulin available to them in fact this year thinking of my daughter of course but also of all the others this year as my virtual uh, guest at the state of the union i had a young woman named jill verdeer and the way she describes it is that insulin is like air to people with diabetes they literally need it to survive so i mean to me with huge profits in the pharmaceutical industry with a drug that's 100 years old, there's no excuse for the fact that it's not affordable. So we decided to do something about that. I just kind of wanted to narrow in on that a little bit more. So, you know, we've been talking about drug pricing for a long time, and obviously there are a lot of expensive drugs that people need to survive. So I wanted to ask you, why did you and your co-sponsors choose to narrow in on insulin? Is it the number of people affected because, or because of the outsized price distortions, or maybe is it because it's the most politically viable? Yeah, I think it's a lot of that. Number one, we, and I particularly, have been focusing on lowering 
uh, prescription drug crisis since I came to Congress almost a decade ago. But what we haven't been able to do is get that bigger piece of legislation across the finish line. And uh, my sense was, okay, uh, in the meantime, let's do this one step at a time if we can. And looking at the sort of the combination of factors that you laid out, insulin is 100 years old. It's pervasive in terms of its need. The number of people who require insulin is a huge number. And look, it's rich and poor, Democrats, Republicans, left, right, and center, north, south, east, and west. You don't get to pick if you're an insulin-dependent diabetic. And so we felt like, look, here's a chance to do something that would really be a simple fix and affect millions of people all at once. And so that's when we arrived at fixing the issue around, around insulin with the belief that if we can prove that it's possible to do this, maybe some of the other um, sort of bigger pieces of legislation that we've all been working on can be seen as more possible. Yeah, I mean, I always appreciate, you know, don't make uh, perfect the enemy of the good. Like, let's let's make progress where we can where we can get it. And um, hopefully this is one of those areas. So about a month ago, the House passed your bill, Affordable Insulin Now, um, which would cap copays at thirty five dollars a month for people with insurance or Medicare. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, um, at least one in five people with large employer coverage who take insulin would save money if your bill became law. The bill had the support of 12 Republicans and all of the Democrats. And I wanted to ask you, what is your legislative strategy for introducing it as a standalone bill? And what do you think its likelihood is in the Senate? Well, for the fact that we introduced it as a standalone bill is because we wanted people to see the simplicity of this policy solution. But we're not wedded to any particular vehicle to get it to the finish line, to get it to the president's desk. If, if it can go as a standalone I know that Senator Schumer uh, supports our legislation. Senator Warnock obviously is the lead in the Senate on this. Um, and so we have support you know, in the Senate to take it up. Of course, it's, it's a difficult challenge over there to get things uh, done. But our view is this, that the more people understand that this really simple and elegant solution is right there, it's past the House, president would sign it into law. All we need is to get the Senate to take it up. When people find out about this, they contact their legislators. And look, you know, there's nothing as eloquent in the, um, you know, to the ear of a, of a political leader than the voices of the people that they work for, especially when it's not, you know, uh, uh, generated by some bot, but it's, it's honest, authentic calls and letters and emails and texts and whatever it is from people across the political spectrum who see this as a practical solution to a really tough problem and ask the question of their senators, will you support this? Yeah. So our legislative strategy more is an outside in strategy. We've got a bill, we got the bill through the house. The Senate could fix this, get it to the president's desk with one vote and all we need to do is get 60 senators or get at least 51, 50 plus the vice president if we have to, if they can get through cloture. So, you know, our strategy is that the people need to speak up. And when they do, I think we'll get where we need to go.
And then I wanted to ask you, because, you know, I, I in researching this bill and sort of reading everything that was out there, the only critique I saw was sort of that it was targeting people who already have insurance. Um, but I know that for people who don't have insurance, there are already some drug companies, both nonprofit and for profit, taking action to lower insulin costs. And so I, I wanted to ask you about what are your thoughts on potential private solutions to lower costs at the pharmacy counter? Yeah, I mean, this obviously is not the complete solution to the entire problem. And I think it's important to point that out. So I, I applaud those companies who are working to lower uh, costs, um, the cost of drugs for families. Um, some of those solutions will work right away. Some of them don't, don't work right. Um, mm -hmm. What we want is certainty. So I'm on board with an all of the above approach. We want certainty. We want the fact that we can get this across the finish line. Maybe it makes the case that, uh, that in this case, that, that the price of insulin uh, is far too high. The out-of-pocket cost is far too high, and we need to address that more broadly. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we need, so we need an all-of-the-above approach. We need to focus on those private solutions. We need to focus on this particular solution for the vast majority of people who actually have uh, some kind of health insurance, and we have to focus on new, re more, and additional research to crack the code. You know, if if we could, like for example, if we could invest in medical research in as robust a fashion as possible, supporting, for example, Representative Deget and Upton's um, cure, the cures legislation, but now 2.0. If we could get these bills fully funded, and if just to pick two, crack the code on diabetes and on Alzheimer's. Not only would we improve the quality of life for min many millions, tens of millions of Americans, but we would save the federal government and the private market billions and billions of dollars. So this is really smart, a smart approach. Do everything we can in the meantime to minimize the pain. This bill would do part of that. And then at the same time, aggressively work to cure. And if we do that, I think we'll be moving in the right direction. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that, um, you know, part of the problem with the insulin market is the incentives between the, the payers and the um, drug companies. And so by just capping the out-of-pocket costs, you may not be solving the full problem, but you're shifting um, the burden away from being on the consumer, which is how it should be. Um, and I want to kind of zoom out a little bit further on that issue, which is, you know, how do we think about those warped incentives in the insulin market? You know, there's evidence that PBMs, pharmacy middlemen, and insurers are getting a larger portion of drug revenues. And do we need to change those incentives to encourage competition? And if that's not politically feasible at this moment in time, you know, how do we increase transparency so that at least in Medicare, we know where the money is going. Because right now, right, it's very opaque. We don't necessarily know who's benefiting the most from the price at the counter. Yeah, this is a really important area. And obviously we all know that the incentives built in the way the insulin market work are not the only parts of the marketplace that are warped. The whole healthcare system uh, needs to be addressed we need to get the root of the problem. And I do agree that we need to deal with greater transparency within uh, pharmacy benefit managers, but we also need to accept the fact that the root of the problem ultimately is the fact that we're not able to negotiate for drug prices. And so the big, most important thing we can do is, is pass the legislation that we've passed now twice in the house since I've been here. And that is 
what was passed as uh, HR3 back in the 116th Congress, and of course was included in Build Back Better, which allows us to negotiate drug prices, limits how uh, much drug prices can increase, improves uh, the Part D benefit, um, include an out-of-pocket cap on drug spending, but to do more to increase transparency of PBMs. Realizing though, that while that's critical, what we don't wanna do is only do that and just see the shift of the cost to some other part of the system. We don't wanna see this turn into a game of, of whack-a-mole. So we've gotta deal with the drug manufacturers, with PBMs, with insurance companies, with the way the federal government procures. Um, and rather than continuing pointing fingers, deal with the underlying problem that we have a situation in this country um, that does not allow us to truly use the market forces, the negotiation between buyer and seller to determine the price rather than having the price dictated by a manufacturer. And if we do that, um, obviously that's a big, that's a big initiative but it's one uh, that ultimately we have to get to. And, and as you said earlier, in the meantime, where we can make progress to lower the cost for millions of Americans by dealing with insulin pricing, we ought to do that and continue to fight for these bigger initiatives. Definitely. Um, I think that, you know, something that you always hear is that like net prices aren't increasing, but the point is the consumer is feeling whatever the list price increase because of deductibles or co-pays or whatever. So regardless of what the net price is, the consumer is, is, um, you know, the one hurting and we should be protecting them. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any closing thoughts on this bill or insulin drug pricing in general? Yeah, I mean, I guess my closing thought is the way we're going at this, and I think this relates directly to, to the focus that you bring to this conversation. What we're trying to do is do what we can in a practical sense that improves the lives to some number of people that we know could have their life improved by this, this, this initiative and not let the continued search for the bigger solution, which may come but it may not come in the next year or two, maybe it comes then, but not penalize the people who could receive a benefit from a more practical and more narrow uh, approach. And so to me, that's why we're initiating this work and why I'm hopeful that this legislation will pass. Because I think it also proves that we can, we can address these issues. We can do it in a pra pragmatic way. And maybe that creates some momentum for the bigger legislation that we're pursuing. Yeah, I definitely, I, I hope this bill passes. Um, I think it's a great start and will make a real difference in people's lives. So just thank you so much for your work and thank you so much for coming on our podcast to discuss this issue with us. Um, again, I'm so happy and, you know, fingers crossed it makes it through the Senate. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Want to learn more about the Progressive Policy Institute? Follow us on Twitter at PPI and on Facebook at Progressive Policy Institute or go to our website at progressivepolicy.org. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and check back for new episodes. We'll talk with you soon.